Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 227 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, Justin walks through Nebraska's 2021 Big Ten football schedule with Big Kurt and Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big Podcast. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals at cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. Justin, you have a marathon session in store for us today. Yeah, we uh, we talked for a while. It was a fun <laughs> conversation, although we made sure not to talk as long as we did last year because I was, I was worried about them, uh, I don't know, resenting me for eating up their time. But here's the thing <laughs> about... Our friends Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt, they love to talk about Big Ten football. And I, I think you'll hear just in the conversation, it was not an imposition on them to have a long football conversation. So, I mean, we literally could have gone longer. It's just like, well, you know, I, people probably aren't going to listen to a two-hour episode. <laughs> Man, we should do a, a two-hour. You know, that like there's like Twitch streamers that once they get to a certain subscriber count, they like do a 24-hour stream. We should do something like that where we get X number of followers on Twitter or something. We'll do a, we'll do a big deal. A marathon pod, a literal marathon pod, like, you know, like a Boston qualifying marathon pod, like 255. <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. I don't know if we could do 24 hours. Um, I'd be putting myself to sleep after a while, but. That is a long, I don't, yeah, I mean, we go way back, but I don't know how much, if there's that much to talk about. <laughs> We could just well, we could just hop on Twitch and live stream ourselves like playing all of the old football games on the various video game systems. NCAA. I was a big ten yard fight player. Did you ever play ten yard fight? I don't even know that. That was title. like a very very old NES game, like very primitive, um, insanely primitive. So like like you know everybody talks about Tech Mobile. This is like the Pac Man version of Tech Mobile. <laughs> oh man. What was the one where it was like three on three? It was kind of like the NBA jam of football. Oh, I don't know. It was in arcades. That was a and blitz, was it? NFL blitz? Yeah, NFL blitz, I think, where you could like get on fire and like carry people down the field. And... <laughs> yeah, blitz was uh, notorious for being very unrealistic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was play action football on my Game Boy. I liked that a lot. Okay, so I probably played that because I remember borrowing your Game Boy for family vacation. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because you had that Game Boy-shaped case. Maybe mm-hmm. you still do. I mm-hmm. hope you still have it. I actually got rid of it in college. Um, the case or the Game Boy? The Both. I was stupid. No! But I, I have both the case and the Game Boy again because, like, 10 years later, I realized I was an idiot. <laughs> so, thanks, eBay. 
Nice. Nice. So anyway, uh, let us know your favorite football game from back in the day. Hit us up at Husker Pod. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot more to choose from. Yeah, we haven't even touched on the Madden games and all that. Yeah, I was never into the Madden games. I'm mostly with the NCAA football game, and I spent a lot of time in that. My senior year in college, in particular. Mm. I think I've talked about that on the show before. <laughs> anyway. This is a great conversation. We go through the whole schedule, and you're going to learn a lot. I know I did. So let's hear it then. We are just thrilled to welcome back to the podcast Jeffrey the Creek and Big Kurt of the Eyes on Big podcast. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Justin. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Can't believe you invited us back. I can't believe you agreed to come back. I was looking back at when you guys came on the show last year, and it was an hour and 45-minute conversation, which means we probably talked half an hour longer. I mean, that was a, hey, a commitment. What's something to shoot for? Maybe we'll go three hours. You never know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, no, yeah, maybe. Um, well, so what we're here to do today is to talk through Nebraska's uh, Big Ten schedule this fall. Um, and grateful to have your eyes on the Big Ten Conference as a, as a podcast that does have that broad, broad approach. Um, Mike and I, you know, we're not experts on this, and, and so we're, this is really an opportunity for us to get a first taste of what to expect come fall and just how to think about these teams as we go. So what we're just going to do is we're going to start with Illinois, which happens to be Kurt's area of expertise and we'll just work through the schedule and um you know uh, i would like to get one takeaway kind of from each team for when i talk to beat reporters this this fall uh or this summer for the fall but other than that you know what's on your heart you know tell me okay so i'll try to keep it brief obviously this is my alma mater this is my team so i could talk all day i wanted to start though by asking you justin are you going to the game you know i haven't I haven't thought that far ahead. I'd really like to. There's really no reason not to. I mean, my in-laws are just up the road in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Um, are you going to the game? I, I will be going to the game, assuming that, uh, you know, crowd capacity is going to be somewhat normal. I assume if it's 25% or something like that, I won't be able to go. But I do have tickets to the game. I have four tickets. I would like to go to the game. Well, hopefully we can meet up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's pencil that in. Well, let's start talking about um, the Illinois game. There's, I, I know you talked to Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition. I know that he kind of, you had alluded to him kind of scaring you about this Illinois game. Yeah. I'm going to start with a few things that probably will scare you. Okay. And first of all, this was going to be a neutral game. It was moved to a road game. So that's one thing going against them. Right. I feel like this is kind of a, um, a butt puckering game for Nebraska. You're entering year four here. So there's a lot of pressure on the Huskers. Whereas Illinois has the total opposite um, side of the spectrum there. They, they're playing with house money here. They, if they lose this game, who cares? It's, it's game one of the new regime, big deal. So I feel like they, they don't really have anything to lose. The Huskers kind of do. Another thing going against the Huskers is if you, if your goal is to get to a bowl game this year, which it should be, 
you got to win games early because as we get to the back end of the schedule, that's when it starts getting really tough. So, I mean, all, all the pressure is on the Huskers right now. Yeah. Now, with that being said, I'll try to make you feel a little better. How many new coaches for, with a team just start out great right out of the gate? I mean, how good can game one of an error look when you're changing schemes on both sides of the ball that you have not even recruited to? So I'm not expecting Illinois to look great week one. I think Nebraska should be favored in this game, but it's definitely one. I don't I, It's not going to ruin the season just by losing one game, but it, to me, this is as close as you get to kind of a, I don't know if it's a must win, but it would get, the season would start looking pretty bleak after week one if you lose this yeah. game. Agreed. Uh, to, before we go any further, are you excited about Bielema? Yeah. You know, when they hired him, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for in a hire. I kind of wanted just a guy that had just won at every mm-hmm. level. I didn't want to retread. I didn't want someone who had failed at their last uh, position, but I mean, he won me over in about two and a half days. He was uh, an hour after he was hired. He was already on ESPN game day talking live he was at the Illinois game that night. He drove oh. from New York. He, he's doing all the right things. He's hired a true college staff with, and, and I'm not going to say any of the hires that were like home run hires, but they all have great experience at the collegiate level. So they're going to, they're doing the right things. I mean, I'm excited that he's really embraces recruiting. I'm excited that he embraces promoting the Illinois brand, which the previous staff didn't do any of those things. So He's doing the right things, and I'm really excited about him so far. He's won me over. Well, he does have a uh, – he's had success against Nebraska too, that's for sure. And I will say, like, if you are reading our message boards, there are countless people that will admit they were wrong. There's, they would say, I, I did not like this hire, and now I love it. I mean, how often do you actually hear people, you know, saying they were wrong on social media? And – if I could add anything, um, Kurt, if you, if you think I'm big time in myself here, let me know. But uh, I was saying that I didn't want Brett Bielema hired even before he did, because I actually thought he would do a lot of the stuff I've seen him doing right now. Um, I've known, I've known Beetle since he was, since I was 10 years old, he was my brother's roommate in oh, college. Really? at yeah. Iowa. Um, so what you see is what you get. I mean, that's who he is. There's nothing fake about him. He, wh- when he goes at it, he's, he's going at it from a sense of who he is and how he wants to do things. Um, the uh, fence that he's going to try to put up around the state of Illinois for recruiting alone uh, concerns me as an Iowa fan. <clears throat> it should concern your uh, Nebraska listeners as well. Um, the Big Ten in general was already a great coaching league it got even better when Beatle joined in and that's that's no bueno for the rest of us do you know do we get an extra do we get to start practice early with the week zero thing or is it do we just lose that week of practice in preparation i don't know for sure but my memory is you get to start earlier okay because that's another thing counting against a new coach i mean you've got one less week to institute everything not that you want to talk get a little bit deeper the other thing that I that I would be scared about if if I'm a Nebraska fan for that Illinois game is that Beatles started recruiting the second he got there and he was recruiting existing players. He got 21 yeah. super seniors to stay from last year, you know, and that was a game that 
Nebraska got beat handily last year. So it's the, it's going to look the, the team from a roster standpoint, is going to look very much like it was last year. And that's, and that's one thing that, you know, I know it's Twitter, so you got to take all this stuff with a grain of salt, but I guess I've been a little surprised at how often I've seen, or maybe even listened on some podcasts about this essentially being counted as a win. Um, You know, Nebraska has a ton of guys back on defense. That's well documented. I expect their defense to be good, but Illinois has got even more people back. They got just as many or almost as many people back on defense and even more people back on offense that had a pretty successful day in Lincoln last year. I don't know uh, uh, one way or the other, you know, how I feel about this game. I just know that both fan bases should go into it thinking they can get a win. And then you add in the fact that it's a week zero game. I, as a non Nebraska, non Illinois fan, I couldn't be more geeked to watch this game. Anything can happen. I'm just going to throw one more little item in there because it's week zero. It's the only P five on P five game I'm aware of week zero. And it not only is it P five, but it's, same conference, same division. So this is a huge game. I expect game day to be there. They haven't indicated that. And the other thing, Bielema is actually campaigning. He, he knows people at ESPN. He's, he's campaigning to get game day in Champaign. So I feel like it's probably going to happen because Beatles pretty good at influencing people. So that'll just, it'll add to the um, kind of the, the, the butt pucker factor for Nebraska. Wow. I'm, I'm really tempted to ask you about last year's game, but uh, in the interest of time, I'd like to, we'll keep moving forward. <laughs> Otherwise, moving this could forward. get, this could get, uh, um, this could get really long. Um, so, so when I talked to, I think Jeremy is who I usually talk to from, from Illinois. Yeah. What, what, what question would you guys have for him? What's. I, I would ask, I would ask him cause that basically does he get a sense of how well the players are picking up the new system mixing Mm. with the coach, like just a general, you know, does it feel like there's confidence there with that? For me, I'm just curious, his take, he's made it pretty clear that, that the vibe is a good one with Bielema around and the new staff, but I'm wondering like, what is the biggest positive change he's seen from the staff versus the lovey staff? And also what is maybe something that, that maybe Lovey did that he liked that he's not seeing anymore. What is the positive and negative changes that he's hmm. seen from the coaching staff? Hmm. We talked a lot about Bielema. Do you, are you sad Lovey's gone or was that the right decision? Yeah, I, I mean, Lovey, he was just collecting a paycheck there at the end. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, God bless him. It was a pretty big paycheck. I, I miss him collecting that paycheck. I maybe we probably could have crowdsourced his paycheck as Iowa and Nebraska fans to keep him in the Big Ten for another year if they would let us. But uh, after last year, I don't know if Nebraska fans would be as gun ho about that. <laughs> I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Let's let's Wait. move ahead. Unless you have any other things, knowing this well, is your school, Kurt. I, I I could just say one thing about Lovey Smith. He was asked. You know, he's, he's, the, he's coaching in Houston now for the Texans, and he was asked, why weren't your defenses better at Illinois? And he said, oh, we just never had a chance to fully install our defense for five years. I mean, that's really all you need to know. What do you want, man? Exactly. Wow. All right. That is a good 
endpoint for that. Um, all right, Michigan State, September. 25th. Can we? Can I real quick, Justin? Just real. I just want to interject real quick, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The Fordham game next week. That was a great move by Moose to move the non-conference game up like that mm-hmm. to get essentially a glorified practice in. That was a very savvy move. Um, Buffalo, you know, congrats on them getting absolutely stripped down from their coaching staff. I mean, I still think it's, you know, a pretty senior dominated team from what I saw, but I got to think that's going to hurt them big time or they, yeah. they're not going to see this coaching staff until, you know, this summer essentially. And then, I mean, we'll all be look, watching the Oklahoma game. I mean, in the end, if you walk out of that game with a 10 point loss, I'm sorry, but like, you 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 would feel probably pretty good if yeah. if that's the case and and I don't think Oklahoma is so ungettable that you can't get them or at least hang with them a little bit. Well, that's encouraging. I I was at the Oklahoma Nebraska game. Uh, would have been like twenty oh eight maybe when Oklahoma was up thirty five zero within like five minutes uh, down there. Um, it's the only time I've been down there. Um, there's a, there's a chance I'm in the area again. So, um, I would not want to go and see a repeat of that poor performance. And I don't think I would, I don't know. I don't think you will. Okay. I don't think you will. Kurt, did you have any other, you don't have to have non-conference thoughts. That was just bonus material from Jeff there. Well, I, I, I was just having some PTSD about my own worst Illini experience in which we were <laughs> down 56, nothing at halftime to Penn state in 2005. I was at the game. Ooh, brutal, brutal. All right. Michigan State. Mel, Mel, you're two. What are you thinking? So this this enters into the next three games for me that I'm going to call the must-be-clean games. Mm. point I'm trying to make is at this point in the season, okay, so we just skipped over those three games pretty quick. But, you know, Nebraska will have four games in their, under their belt at this point. You know, the record that I think most people would think they would be is either three and one or two and two. Okay. Let's go with three and one. They beat Illinois, Fordham, and Buffalo, tough loss to Oklahoma. Sudden, I mean, suddenly this game versus Michigan State is huge because you can be four and one or two and oh in the uh, four and one and two and oh in the Big Ten. Um, Mm -hmm. Or you switch it, and and this is going to put weight back on the Illinois game as well. If you lose to Illinois, beat the other two teams, lose to Oklahoma, if you're 2-2 and 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 0-1 in the Big Ten, this then becomes, I believe, the biggest game in Scott Scott Frost's career. Because if you go 0-2 in the Big Ten and you're 2-3 overall, I don't put as much weight on the Illinois game that the wheels would 100% come off. I've seen that said a lot. However, if if two and three and zero oh and two in the Big Ten would happen after this game, yeah, that 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 would be a you know, oops, I crap my pants type of moment. Yeah, yeah. So for this game, I like where it's positioned, being early in the season here. Um, one of the easier games on the, the the conference slate. The only bad news you go up to Michigan State, but the this is not the Michigan State roster that we're used to seeing the Mark D'Antonio talent is gone. Um, all that has moved on. They don't have a dynamic quarterback. Uh, there's just not a whole lot to be really scared about here. So for me, um, this is one that the Huskers should win. And if you don't win this one, 
I mean, I guess it's kind of, again, a lot of pressure there because if you don't win this one, the later you, and deeper you get in the schedule, the harder to come by the wins are going to be. Yeah, and I just want to make sure I'm, I'm making myself clear. I don't expect Michigan State to win this game. I know I just kind of, you know, wax poetic there a little bit. I do expect Nebraska to, to win this game. Um, both units in Michigan State are in flux. Mm-hmm. The defense isn't in flux with Nebraska. The defense is in place. Um, also, you would ha- this would be, you know, we're, we're past a third into the season. You would hope that a lot of the younger pieces for Nebraska have, have you know, solidified a little bit. And then uh, now it's on the road. That, that is something. I mean, that's two road games in a row at Oklahoma, at Michigan State. That's not easy, so that does ratchet it up. But again, I would expect Nebraska to be favored by Vegas. I would expect them to to win this game as well. I was saying earlier, we Bielema has history beating uh, Nebraska, but that was you know that was Bo. This, I mean, Mel Tucker beat Frost uh, twice, right? And um, those were painful. Um, so I don't know. I don't so know. I think, it was, the, I think it was just think the one year. Was it just the one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just a Colorado that one year. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I can't keep track. Um, so anyway, he's got a track record there. Um, that was an old, that was a big time collapse. Um, yeah, it, it, it is an interesting game. And I, I haven't really paid much attention to Michigan state in the last couple of years. Uh, since they this, were this, is, this is why it gets into my play a clean game. Like if Nebraska plays a clean game, they should win this game. And, and that has got to be the goal. Yeah, and I feel like that's been a bigger emphasis. Like, uh, I don't know. I know you guys follow it all fairly well, but just uh, to be more fundamentally focused and maybe a little less emphasis on speed and a little more emphasis on finishing. So you hope that you see evidence of that in a game like this. So what kind of questions do you would you guys have for a beat reporter here? For me, I'm curious. We, we haven't had a chance to see Mel Tucker, the recruiter, because recruiting has been so weird with uh, – all the lockdown and requirements by the NCAA and limitations put on recruiting. So, you know, he hasn't, they, they haven't been able to take the gloves off and actually go after it on the recruiting trail, which is about to happen here in about another two weeks. So I'm curious in the next uh, basically six, seven months here, what is their, what is their recruiting going to look like in that time period? And that'll, that'll give us finally this, you know, we're deep getting deep into the Mel Tucker era here. And we're finally going to get an idea of what he's going to be like on the recruiting trail. So just curious, where do they see him kind of falling in the East? What is the pecking order there? Are they going to recruit up to D'Antonio levels? Is that something that's going to return? I just want to know what they think hmm. recruiting, what their expectations are for this next six months from recruiting. Yeah. And my question would be, you know, I, I hate to go to the low hanging fruit, but there's a big quarterback question uh in in sparty land so it's either going to be peyton thorne or anthony russo and maybe just see if they have any kind of you know an idea of who's got the early lead and you know if the offense is changed depending on who it is you know what quarterback fits mel tucker's scheme i find all of that interesting for michigan state great i'll be interested to hear about that myself let's turn the page to northwestern here you know, every once in a while, you see a meme that just like perfectly encapsulates something. And Jeff, you put a Venn diagram 
of like what Nebraska and Iowa and who was there was like a 30 Wisconsin fans all had in common Minnesota yeah Minnesota and I was like counting counting Northwestern as a win in the offseason right and that is just that's just so accurate yeah because I just don't want to think we could lose to them and I feel like we're a superior program but you know we're like 500 against them since we've joined the conference what are, what are you guys expecting from Northwestern this year well so yeah this is kind of my my equivalent for Jeff of the Illinois game I this is the one where I see Nebraska fans just chalking it up as a win. I'm like, no, that is the last thing you want to do is overlook mm-hmm. this team. Yeah. Now, with that said, I don't know what we're going to see this year. Is it going to be essentially 2019 Northwestern, which I followed gleefully the entire season, except for that very last game when they throttled Illinois, or is it going to be 2018, 2020? They lose just so much from this defense, but I cannot even let the thought enter my mind of them having a bad defense. So I'm going to expect another solid defense, but there's so much riding on their quarterback position. Ryan Holinsky, like, is, is this the guy? Can he be even Peyton Ramsey? Uh, or is, and it's not like they haven't failed at the quarterback position. And it was recently, you know, they, they rested everything on Hunter Johnson. That was a disaster. So if Ryan Holinsky doesn't work out. Could we see another repeat of 2019? I think, but I would, I, I don't want to, that yeah. thought to enter my mind because that when, when you overlook Northwestern is when that's when they have you right where they yeah. want you. Fitz has you just in his sights at that moment. And I am convinced that guy sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> sure of it. There's okay. no other way to explain this. I hear you. Yeah. I don't know how you um, can be a, like I'm, one of the worst running programs in the big 10 and still win Big Ten football games. Yeah. What was my mind? Yeah, I mean, I have more to add, but I'm afraid to because I will, I will, I will scare the, the ghost of Fitzy because I'm not convinced he's actually alive. I think he's walking amongst us uh, after he was exhumed from the dead. Um, so I don't know what to say, but like, yeah, I mean, we all see the same thing. They, they lost, you know, two thirds of their linebacking crew key guys on all levels, you know, um, uh, and their quarterbacks. So, you know, typically you, you piece all those things together for a developmental program. And I will say Northwestern has shown the ability to, to suddenly drop back uh, to, but, but, you know, Fitzy made those, those famous comments that said, we will never have that happen again. So I, I wouldn't think, you know, the, the, the three and nine type of, of, of team, will happen again. You know, it's just hard for me to see that happening. But, like, I always see NU and NU, okay? These are the battle of the NUs here. The, in, on our podcast, the winner of this game gets to be referenced as NU for the rest of the year. Oh, nice. Um, so, like, I see NU and NU as complete opposites. Uh, North Northwestern, not as much talent, uh, but play the cleanest games typically in the Big Ten. Nebraska typically has a lot of talent, but the lack of clean football uh, uh, has cost them games. I'm bringing back into, you know, the, the, the little uh, theme I have going on here, but I am interested to see if Nebraska plays a clean game, does their talent simply show out where after the game is over and mind you, that might only be 24 to 14, do you a win by Nebraska, but in that capacity, do you walk away from that game saying Nebraska was definitely the most talented team in this game, 
that's what I'm interested in seeing. You would think in the fourth year for Scott Frost, that is what you would see in a game like this. Sorry to bring up the uh, uh, exhume the Fitzy zombie just a little bit more. That's so, so the question for the beat reporter is at, at what point did he die and how long before that was the deal, the pack signed with his blood? So. If, was if, he was he actually there with Robert Johnson at the crossroads at the same time selling his soul? That, yeah. That's my question. So what would you guys want to know from our friends I, at Inside NU? For me personally, I'm just really interested in what this defense is going to look like. I guess my question would be, what is a realistic expectation for how good their defense is going to be? We know it's going to be good. It's not going to be bad. It's going to be top, you know, top half of division one football, but how good can it realistically be this year after losing, you know, so many great players, all levels, especially my favorite one being Greg Newsome. He was the best cornerback to me in the league last year. So, you know, you're going to expect to take some sort of step back from that great, great defense that we've seen the last few years. I just wonder what's the realistic expectation, like top 25, is that possible? Or is it really just more like a top half of division one football? And I would build on that and say, again, nobody expects Northwestern to be the 70th ranked defense in the country by, by any means. But if there is a step back, do they have confidence in the pieces on offense that, that maybe the offense would have to pick up the slack a little bit? I feel like Nebraska the last four years usually does well. We move the ball well. Actually, statistically, maybe better than average against Northwestern, but the, the slop catches up with us. And um, – so it's a, it's a theme. All right. All right. So we go from a home game, actually with homecoming with Northwestern now to the next week we host Michigan and uh, another blue blood falling on hard times. What the heck's going to happen? I don't even know. What do you guys think about Michigan? Well, to begin with, obviously Nebraska has a tough schedule. I mean, they're playing a big 10 schedule. It's always going to be tough, but you hear a lot of talk about how, difficult their overall schedule is, which is true. But then when you look at their crossover games, yeah, of course, Ohio State, nobody wants to play Ohio State. That's never fun. You do get Michigan State, which I think is a good thing. People look at Michigan like it's some big, scary game. It's not a big, scary game. The only thing scary about Michigan is they're literally their name. This is a, a, this is a program that's on the decline. It's not on the rise. It's a coaching Staff that's on the decline, not on the rise. Yes, they're talented, but they're never, I, I harp on this endlessly on our podcast, where is the explosiveness in their offense? It's non-existent. I, I, I don't remember the last time they had an offensive player that truly impressed me in any way. They don't have a quarterback. Um, they've shuffled around their coaching staff. We, we know Josh Gaddis is not a very good offensive coordinator. All they do is basically slide him over and bring in Sharon Moore or basically elevate Sharon Moore internally. What, I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared of their offense in any way. And, and Nebraska's got the defense to keep that as a really low scoring game for Michigan. So I'm just curious, can Nebraska score points on, on what's going to be a very talented defense, but you got a new coordinator who hopefully understands what uh, zone defense is and uses it. But I, I, to me, this is not a scary game at all. You get Michigan, you get them at home. I like your, I like your chances in this game. In fact, I feel like Nebraska's the, 
if I had to pick this winner, this game right now, I'd go Nebraska. All right. After, uh, after that breakdown of Michigan by Big Kurt, I just have one question. Uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? Kind of, <laughs> kind of type of deal. But I, honestly, like, I, I agree with almost all of that. Um, the term dumpster fire comes to mind when I think of the current status of Michigan. Um, now, and, and by the way, this falls, this is the, the third of my three can, can Nebraska play clean game to build on what Kurt was just saying? If, if Nebraska plays clean, I, I do expect them to win this game. So I, I, am, I am the same way. Like, I don't think there is a unit on, out of all four that's as strong. Like the number one unit out of all four is Nebraska's defense, better than Michigan's offense, Michigan's defense, you know, everything. So now with that being said, um, we are going to know how we feel about this game well before this game because yeah. there is there is talent in Ann Arbor. Okay, there just is. I know it's a cliche to say it, but they have recruited well. There's talent there. Yeah. They still put people in the NFL like crazy, even though they haven't been successful in Ann Arbor. So, again, there's talent there. If they are finally able to get their poop in a group, and we see that by the end of September – then I would feel different about this game. And, and mostly what I'm talking about is just the fact that, that Don Brown is not coordinating their defense anymore, I think is an improvement on the Michigan defense. So I expect the defense to look better. They're going to get out of 99% man coverage that they didn't have the corners to, to cover man all the time. I think they will be a more of a base defense. Then on top of that, can they find a manageable quarterback doesn't even have to be fantastic just pretty good so so you know at this point in the season we're going to know these teams a lot more than we do now so that'll be that'll be interesting is that the question then for the beat reporter quarterback yeah you actually that's pretty much was my question is just kind of ask him you know what the general thought process is with the new coordinators and and do they feel like it's starting that that they it's going to gel or starting to gel with the personnel that they have, like, are there, are the coordinators an improvement? Kurt, what kind of question would you have? So That's what I wanted to, to ask is the coordinators, I guess, like if you ask a Michigan beat writer, have they improved their coaching with these recent changes? Of course they're going to say, yeah, oh yeah, the coaching is going to be much better. Give me concrete reasons why this coaching staff is going to be better than what we've seen in the Harbaugh era thus far, because I'm not convinced it's going to be any better, really. I mean, Jeff makes a good point that just removing Don Brown from the equation is probably a good thing. You can't get much worse. But I I don't know, Mike McDonald, I don't know much about him. He, they brought him in from the NFL. He's not even really a college guy. What's he going to do that's going to be so special? And I, I, I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish offensively. So I don't know how just sliding Josh Gaddis over and promoting Sharon Moore changes anything either. Real talk. Would you ever describe Nebraska as a coaching staff on the decline? No, I wouldn't say on the decline, but they haven't, they also haven't proven that they're on, on the upswing either. So no, I wouldn't say decline. No, I, yeah. I don't think that'd be fair. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, my only thing is, Scott Frost was put up on too high of a pedestal pre pre first game coaching at Nebraska. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious by now. 
but also the situation and the the decline of the program under Riley, you know, was probably more than many people understood. I think the staff has always been a, about the same, but it's just took them this long to understand what they were they inherited. And there definitely has been a learning curve for Scott Frost and his staff in the Big Ten. Like it's it's a big boy league, okay? Like yeah. I I I very firmly believe in that, and they're still working through that process. Yeah, and I'll give I'll give Scott Frost credit for adjusting. A lot of a lot of uh, coaches are just too damn stubborn. I mean, we just named Don Brown. There's a great example. <laughs> he, he won't adjust, but Todd, Scott Frost is looking around the league and saying, "Look." what we've been doing hasn't been working. We've got to adjust to the league, not the other way around. So I, yeah. I give him credit for that. Okay. I wasn't, I didn't think that you thought that, but I, I was like, wow, that's an intense statement. I wonder if, if we were not on a Nebraska podcast, if you'd say the same thing. So cool. All right. We got, so, our, we got our coaches ranking podcast coming up next. So oh, be sure okay. to tune in. Yeah. After just berating the Harbaugh staff, I think I may need to resubmit my, rankings to you i think i talked myself down harbaugh down a couple notches there have you already recorded it is it too late to change i have yeah oh oh well we'll, uh well this can be your addendum then um okay so now uh man at minnesota october 16th so it's not quite hoodie season in minnesota for scott frost huskers what do you what do you guys think about this game yeah so this would be uh, i I believe this is a game that Nebraska fans, I, I, I think maybe they, they have gotten woken up a little bit with this, in, in my yeah, opinion. Like I think so. We we all like to, you know, we're all Big West fans not here, or here not named Minnesota fans. And, you know, we we have our fun with who I call Captain Quarter Zip, PJ Fleck. Um, but, like, he has proven to have some success. And... Yeah the dumpster fire that was forced on him that I believe was forced on him through his administration last year, they couldn't practice. We think hardly at all, if at all in the off season, they were basically starting over from square run square one, right at the beginning of the year, they got better as the year went on. Um, that was an impressive win that they had in Lincoln last year and they battled they battled Wisconsin hard the week after that like people kind of forget that they were they were a pretty good football team at the end of the year then what does it take to win in the Big Ten it takes typically a strong running attack this is the best running attack in the Big Ten and it's not even a close second for anybody that's next to them in my opinion their O-line is one of the top two or three O-lines Mo Ibrahim is the best running back in the Big Ten. They've got a game manager at quarterback that's that's good. Like, I don't want to besmirch him. He's a good quarterback. And P.J. Fleck will develop wide receivers. Long story short, Dustin Schutte talked about it too. Outside of Ohio State, this is a very good offense in the Big Ten. That's not only a good offense in general, it's a good offense built for the Big Ten. Yeah, that yeah. alone makes them dangerous. On the other side, you know, tons of question marks on the defense, tons of question marks on the defense. But, you know, starting out with the the scary stuff for us Big Ten West fans, that's that's where yeah, I would yeah. start. Yeah, um, obviously very talented offensively. 
I don't need to add to that. I think Jeff did a good job describing that. So my question here for Nebraska is can they win in a shootout? Cause you're going to have to score a lot of points to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I realize that Nebraska has a, a, a defense that should be pretty spicy this year, but Minnesota is going to score points um, yeah. for me. I'm, I'm just really, I guess, curious what this team's going to look like come this game. Like what, what do they look like defensively up to this point? Because Joe Rossi is not quite as glossy as he was at this time a year ago. Some of the shine has been taken off of him. I had a tremendous amount of respect for Joe Rossi. And then they just went out and laid that egg defensively last year. But is it just because they couldn't practice? Cause they certainly look like a team that was not practicing on defense. Yeah. I mean, one of the notes I have written down, this is strength on strength, weakness yeah. on weakness, you know, yeah. uh, Nebraska's defense versus their offense, Nebraska's offense, quite frankly, versus their defense. So um, that's, that's going to be intriguing. Maybe it's something that comes down to special teams, which by the way, was not good, which has not aired, has not been very well for either one of these teams the last, you know, three or four years. But I think uh, Nebraska has trended up a little bit more in special teams. Minnesota has a lot of unknowns. Um, and speaking of no- unknowns, if I could jump to my question would be essentially who they think the difference makers are going to be in the front seven. Um, there's a lot of names thrown out. Um, I know the Gopher fans have been waiting for uh, Boye Mafe to finally take that consistently, but he just has never done it. So basically, who do they think Joe Rossi is going to be able to hang his hat on in that front seven? So Jeff basically totally stole my thunder that it's pretty much exactly what I was going to ask. And, and I was going to kind of phrase it this way. It's November 2021 and the Gopher defense looks surprisingly competent. Who are, who are the big names? Is it Boye Mafe? Sorry, Martin on defense. Um, Coney Durr, I don't know. Like no, there's a lot of potential names, but I don't know. Just they, it has not been consistent. All right, let's turn the page here to Purdue. Hey, great, great placement of that idle week right there. That is oh, going to be, yes. That is a, I mean, I don't want to say much needed, but just it's just a well placed idle week. See, right okay, there. I don't know that that's how I feel. I don't know if I look at it that way because. I mean, I don't expect a whole lot out of Purdue. So I'd almost rather have one of your tougher games like Minnesota coming after that idle week, personally. That's a good point. That's a good – or idle week stays the same, but you flip-flop Purdue and Minnesota. That's yeah, a really good right. point. It is nice, though, to have a breather and then two really important games – well, one really important game for division and then, you know, one where you'd like to show up and then another breather for Wisconsin. Yeah. So that's that's that another benefit – it's, it's a very unique idol placement with two and two on, on both on both sides of the idol. I, I don't yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. So so uh, so we're well, so we're not uni- uh, we're not all on the same page that it's a perfect placement, but it is a it's timely for sure. Um, so then so then Purdue, who will be on their fourth consecutive or third consecutive defensive coordinator. A third. Yeah. I mean, here is here's my bold statement for the for the podcast. Okay, you ready? Bring it. I believe this will be the first time in the Scott Frost era will they where they will have a decided advantage in the trench trenches versus a Big Ten team 
on both sides. They, they, the, I expect the Nebraska offensive line to push the Purdue defensive line around. And I expect the Nebraska front seven to handle the Purdue offensive line. Um, I, I believe that is two things. That's uh, a comment on the improving interior play for Nebraska. It's also a comment on what I believe is the, the O and D line play of Purdue George Karlaftis, notwithstanding, I mean, he is an absolute stud, but you can't do it all on your own. Um, I expect Nebraska to be the better team. Uh, they were the by far the better team in this game last year. Purdue stayed in the game, not because of Purdue, but because of Nebraska and the sloppiness. Yep. If you play your game, and I guess I guess I'm coming back to the clean uh, <laughs> theme. But if you do both of those things, I would expect Nebraska to win this by, you know, two scores or more. Cool. Yeah, nice setup there by Greek describing the trenches. To me, this is a game I personally, for, for Nebraska, what I want to see is not them just winning the game. This is where you got to start winning the games you should win and win them decisively. So I – I kind of am itching for a butt kicking here is my is what I want for the Huskers. All right, especially coming off that bye week, there's no reason not to. Exactly, and, and and now here I will say this about Purdue. I was listening to Tom Beanhart, who does a fantastic job for GoldenBlack.com, a rival site, and they do have they brought in a lot of transfers this off season. So uh, a lot of them from other Power Five uh, programs too, some pretty big programs. So they all the holes that they had last year, maybe we'll see some of those get filled to some degree. Um, another thing that was a little bit encouraging for Purdue is that Brahm seems to be taking this offensive line thing pretty personally. And he did something I'm not sure I've ever heard on the power five level. He now has two offensive line coaches. Really? Yep. I, I mean, that. and you know, it. <laughs> there couldn't, be, there's not, any one unit that needs coaching more than the Purdue offensive line. And, and, you know, that kind of gets into my question, which is, you know, we've got kind of insiders for each team that we like to talk to and, and touch base with for our podcast. It's hard to find anything on Purdue right now. And basically a guy that feels like he's, you know, plugged in at least a little bit admits that like, and basically said the lack of info coming out, of the coaching staff either means they feel pretty good about what they are retooling or they realize it's, they're in a lot of trouble, you know? Mm. So I, I'm, so basically I would want to ask the question to, to your guy, which is we're always going to feel pretty good about Purdue's quarterback, Brom, like Tom, he'll have the quarterback, you know, spinning, spinning the ball pretty well, but essentially outside of David Bell, please don't kill me, David Bell. Okay. And then also um, uh, George Karlaftis on the defensive line. Like we got to have three or four or five names emerge having good years. And I'm just kind of curious who he thinks those, those, those people are. For me, it's on their inability to run the football. Well, is just astounding. So besides that offensive line coaching situation that I just described, just convince me what, how are they going to run the ball well this year? Well enough to be balanced and win in the big 10 West. 
I think they had negative rushing yards against Nebraska last year. Really? I think so. It was really low. It might have been in the teens or single digits. And, and something that adds to that is um, getting Purdue later on in the year, you know, it's it's advantageous because we're starting to get into, you know, Big Ten weather. Yeah, for sure. And talking about coaching staffs, this is one that I just don't have a whole lot of faith in. You know, Brom got uh, – we, we actually anointed him a demigod on our podcast because there was so much love thrown at him from his year one experience when they went six and six, which it was an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. But that was a really senior laden team as well. Um, and, and the thing is they, they did that. They mostly rode their defense that year. If you remember, they had a, like a top a third or so in, in the, in division one, defense I think it might might have even been like top 35 or somewhere around there and their offense wasn't that good but Brom was extremely good calling plays and he really was for his first two or three years but now that is kind of rubbed off too so there's to me their coaching staff doesn't isn't bring a lot to the table right now I mean Big Kurt, what are you talking about? Uh, this is a Nebraska podcast obviously any coach that brings Bobby Diaco onto the staff is going to have great respect from that Nebraska audience. I mean, that's one of, you know, the greatest coaches in big 10 history. Don't know how it didn't work out. In I, I think, I think uh, mostly I, I think of Husker fans straining when they think about him. This is a strain from the fan. I base. mean, how can you trust the guy's judgment when he thinks that that, I mean, Oh man, he'll fade What's he doing so I, now? Do you know what Diaco's doing now? I'm sure he landed somewhere. Q, quality, is he still quality control at Texas, right? Or something like that? Or something like that. No. Immaculate hair wherever he is. He's a, he's a dapper Dan. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of immaculate hair, time to talk about Ohio State. <laughs> A-plus transition, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. At home, November yeah. 6th. Well, this is a scrimmage. Um. You know, uh, I, I kind of famously picked Nebraska, and, and then there may be a lot of your listeners that are going to tune out immediately after I say this, but I famously picked Nebraska to beat Ohio State last year, oh, preseason, nice not, not the week of. And, um, you know, I got a lot of heat for that, deservedly so. But at this point, nobody in the Big Ten can compete with Ohio State. It's just a scrimmage. So you just mm. have to take your beating and hope it's not by 70. So, I mean, so, I mean, I have, you know, in my notes here, stay healthy and can you make them sweat a little bit? Like people forget, like, I think maybe people are putting too much thought process on Ohio state, Nebraska, two years ago, last time they were in Lincoln. I mean, that was, you know, not good, but last year, I mean, Nebraska came out firing, you know, (laughs) like that they, they made Ohio state wake up and play some, some football. Ohio State will have a lot of question marks out of their linebackers. I don't think their secondary is, is settled. That's that's the most I can come up with for for positives, okay. unless there is just a a, a big issue uh, in in Columbus with the quarterback position because we just it's go, it's going to be a mystery unless there's a big issue with quarterback. You know this this is this is Buckeyes all the way. So then, what's is our Linebackers and quarterbacks, your question? Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's I, – I can't think of any – like, 
back seven a little bit like the whole back seven is got some question marks but yeah the linebacker crew and just who they think is going to be the the winner of the quarterback race so two questions for me first ryan day's quaff is it human is it superhuman is it alien can can we isolate the part of the dna that gives them that hair and just give it to every male about my age that's question one second one is uh, Greek mentioned the quarterback room, and I don't know. I just don't have any concerns there. It's got, someone's going to be throwing the ball, and they're going to be throwing it pretty well. So my question is, how many transfers, over-under of transfers out of that quarterback room this year? I would set, the, I would set it somewhere. I mean, you're going to have at least one. I know that. So maybe one and a half is the, is the line there. How many, do you have a sense of how many QBs they have right now? They, well, they got a three that can really sling the rock. Yeah, they got a triumvirte that they got right now, but they're all young. So I understand where Kurt's coming from. Like maybe you could see one thinking, well, this guy's probably going to go pro in two years, so I'll take over after that, but not all three. So that's that's a really good hmm. question. Awesome. Well, I feel like that's a short uh, and to the point conversation on Ohio State. There's really not no need to belabor it. So then we have I'll, I'll be I'll address it as the second bye week here, which. Is real is this is a really well timed one. Definitely. So you no longer have a game on November thirteenth. What is better in your opinion? Playing Southeast Louisiana on November thirteenth and you know, having an opportunity to kind of keep up with momentum if you have it. Um, or maybe, you know, recover from an Ohio State beating before or to have this bye week before Wisconsin and Iowa. I think you already know who you are as a football team at this point in the year. So I don't know how much that that glorified practice is gonna do. So I'll take the idle week. Uh, it's not a buy because it's not a tournament. It's an idle week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then being late in the year, every single football team has injuries that pile up having another refresher. I mean, it could be something as, you know, it could be 2 a.m., right? I mean, he has a history of of injuries. Yeah. Maybe you get him back, you know, for the Wisconsin game after the idle week, something like that. Big def- Big deal for me. Yeah, I love the idle week here. I don't know that you could possibly place it better. Um, you're coming off that scrimmage against Ohio State, and you're about to face the two, you know, the two traditional kind of powers. I guess you can throw Northwestern in there recently too. But you know, Wisconsin and Iowa. I just want all the rest I can before those two games. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then uh, we go to Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez no longer there. Doubt that makes a difference. Well, what do you guys think about this game? So here's here's my first thoughts is, all right, this, this is my second big statement. Um, I think over time, I wonder if Nebraska will have more success versus Wisconsin than they do versus Iowa, okay? Um, I wonder if Scott Frost's offense is a little bit more in tune to attack the 3-4 defense And because people kind of forget, like Nebraska has had quite a bit of success running the ball versus Wisconsin. Um, So if the rushing attack for Nebraska, like if they pick a, you know, a a pair and a spare for running backs, finally, um, and and they've they've kind of got a rushing attack down, they're still kind of, you know, incorporating the the, uh, rushing attack from the quarterback. I don't think it should go away, just limited. If they can do that and move the ball in Wisconsin, and then on the other side, 
play good enough defense where Wisconsin isn't gashing them in the rushing attack, maybe suddenly this game looks a little bit more winnable than maybe the quote-unquote experts are making it out to be. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, they they have been running the ball well against Wisconsin, and I, I'm not totally sold on Wisconsin offensively. Like, people just assume that Graham Mertz is going to become the superstar. People assume that Jalen Berger is going to be the next quote-unquote Wisconsin running back. We saw a little bit of that last year from Jalen Berger, but – I think Mertz has a long way to go and it wasn't really even the same offensive line that we're used to seeing the dominance um, from them. We didn't really see that last year. So I I definitely think it's a winnable game for Nebraska. And um, you know, if they can, like Greek said, control the line of scrimmage and run the football, there's no reason that they can't win this game. I'm so bummed that we didn't play this game last year. Even if we were going to lose, like just to know where you stand, that's why you play the game. No worries how you stack up. And we've been getting bigger in the trenches. Was uh, was other Nebraska fans bummed that game didn't get played last year? I, I could not tell. That was sarcasm. Just and then they ducked us in volleyball. And then next thing you know, they're like, we're the Big Ten champs. It's like, well, they duck us. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I think, I think I might have a little bit more faith in uh, Jalen Berger and Graham Mertz than, than Big Kurt, my, my podcast counterpart. Um, I believe Wisconsin is getting their, their offensive weapons back in place. Uh, they lost both their pass, pass catcher or their top two wide receiver pass catchers other than their tight end, which, by the way, I don't know if you know, just in case people didn't hear it from Dustin Schutte, is Barry Alvarez's grandson. I, I just want to make sure that is that is known. Um, and anyways, like, I think they're going to have those guys back into place. In my mind, Jalen Berger was not ready for last year, but I saw the flashes of Jalen Berger on what the recruit was. Like, I think he's going to be way more comfortable in pass pro and just his overall role in the offense. Now, he is going to be the classic Wisconsin running back. He is not going to be Melvin Gordon or Jonathan Taylor, the bastards that never got hurt. They played in every single game that they were designed incredible. to play. It was yeah. incredible. Like, but he is more in the mold of John Clay and some of these other uh, Wisconsin running backs that predate Nebraska even coming into the Big Ten. He's more like those guys, which is more getting uh, Wisconsin into you know, manageable downs and, and then touching you up with play action and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if Paul Chris is going to kind of, you know, go back to the kind of, uh, you know, late nineties into the two or through the two thousands style of offense. Huh. I don't know anything about Wisconsin in that time. It looked a lot like it does now. Not quite as good uh, is basically what it was. And I do think a lot of that was from not as much explosion out of the running back position that they got again out of, out of Gordon and Jonathan Taylor. Um, now, the one thing I'd say that is better now than was in the late 90s and, and 2000s was the, is the defense. The defense has took a step up. I, not only do I not expect their defense to take a step back this year, this might be the best defense of the entire Big Ten. So I, I don't mean to, uh, you know, pull the football uh, away from, from you here, uh, but as much as I talked about Nebraska, you know, having a chance to beat Wisconsin, which I, I believe, but, but that Wisconsin defense, the more I look into it, 
I was always, I was expecting them to be good. It, it might even be better than a lot of people understand. The, one of the more impressive things to happen the last couple of years in the Big Ten is Wisconsin's ability to retain Jimmy Leonard as the defensive coordinator because you keep hearing that guy's name kicked around for open positions and he doesn't seem interested. It seems like this is where he wants to be and he's content for now being a defensive coordinator as opposed to head coach. So he's he might be the best defensive coordinator in the league. He's certainly in that conversation and they're going to be extremely talented again on defense. So, so what questions do you guys have? I guess yeah, for you, me, I'm just really curious about losing Barry Alvarez. I mean, he's really an institution in Madison and has been for 30 years. Um, he's the de facto commissioner of the big 10 conference right now. And so how, like for a scale of one to 10, how much does that hurt the Wisconsin program? That would be my question. Because it doesn't help. My question would be um, uh, depth on offense, which is which is kind of nitpicking, but I just don't know much about their wide receivers after their top two guys. I don't know much about their running backs after Jalen Berger. We saw that it hurt them last year when that when uh, their wide receivers went down and Berger wasn't ready. Uh, you know, Groshek and the guys that they had to lean on weren't good enough so basically have they been able to to develop depth all right i think the scariest thing about wisconsin maybe is that they they're just now starting to recruit well yeah that is scary and we'll see how that goes we saw that we saw what happened to michigan state they kind of went once they started recruiting well they kind of went the other way but man it's scary to look at some of these recruiting classes that wisconsin's been pulling Another uh, another team with surprisingly not surprisingly another team with consistently good recruiting and it's on the up and up is Iowa where we end with a home game on Black Friday November twenty sixth. What's the what's the story on Iowa, Jeff? Or you want to, let's start with Kurt. Here's here's my take on Iowa. They lost so much from last year's team. It doesn't matter. Can they reload? I mean, how can they possibly keep reloading? Yeah, don't worry, they will. Is this, is this going to be a down year? It's got to be a down year for Iowa, right? It has to be. has to be. No, it never is. Iowa's going to be very good. Just expect, expect to see an Iowa team again this year. That's my expectation. All right. I mean, I've been saying – I've been the guy saying that the last few years, and I'm not going to say it anymore because they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, I, felt like, I feel like, you know, there's a ton of – what Kurt's alluding to is – there seems to be when a big name leaves, you know, AJ Epinesa was the most recent one. So, you know, there was no way we're going to be able to survive without AJ Epinesa. Like the, the lines are going to be fine. You know, I think they're going to be more than fine. I'm, I'll make a bold statement. That I think this is the best center guard center in the big 10 for the offensive line. They've got, they've got some, some development to do on the tackles but it, you just kind of go under the thought process that they're probably going to find two or three guys to rotate in at tackle. Um, uh, Van Valkenburg coming back on the defensive line at defensive end was, was huge to kind of have a linchpin on the defensive line. And, you know, there is some inexperience on the defensive line for those other three spots, but the linebackers are, you know, and obviously the, we have to have like a bias alert here because I'm talking about Iowa, but I'm not the only one to say that Iowa's linebackers might be amongst some in the Big Ten. 
and the back and the defensive back as well. Our entire back seven is back. In fact, you could make an argument that we have eight starters back because we rotate people around between the uh, nickel and, and what we call cash and the four, three. So I feel very good about the defense. As long as we stay healthy on the D line, the O line will be fine. I feel pretty good about the wide receivers. That uh, they, they, we lost a lot of production from Amir Smith, Marset, and Brandon Smith. But the the guys that are under uh, uh, that were backing them up last year have experience. Uh, I think Sam Laporta, the tight end at Iowa, somehow a tight end at Iowa, is one of the more slept on uh, pass catchers in the Big Ten. And I think Tyler Goodson is very, very good. And if you'll allow me, I will just stop talking right there so I don't have to fill it. Okay. I, I'm our quarterback is a question. I mean, and yeah. the biggest position on the team is a question. Um, I had to pull the reins back on my emotions from the quarterback play at some point last year. I did see some improvement out of Spencer Petrus. Um, he did have like a five to zero touchdown to interception ratio. The last two games of the year, he did get put in a tough spot with being a first year starter and the, you know, COVID stuff and whatever. So if the glass is half full, I expect Spencer Petrus to not be elite, but be very much improved. The glass half empty is we will go how Petrus goes. And if he struggles, so would Hmm. Iowa. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Petrus because if you didn't, I was going to, to me, that's, the difference between Iowa being a good team this coming year and being a great team is how good is the Spencer Peaches play. One thing I want to point out about Nebraska in this game is they always play well against Iowa. They, it's typically the best play game that they have all year. If they could somehow harness what they do against Iowa and apply it to every other uh, game, you'd have no problems making a bowl game this year. Um, but so it doesn't matter win or lose. This is going to be a close game, I think, because that's what we keep seeing year in and year out from these two teams. But this this year is probably the most winnable that we've seen in the last few years for Nebraska. Hmm. So what questions then do you guys have? I mean, Jeff, your question is the question just the QB then? I, I guess maybe my question would be, how does he feel the fan base and people in general feel about the quarterback situation because there is some, there's always, you know, some interest in the backup quarterback, right? I mean, that's, I don't think that's germane to just Iowa, but there is a little juice, you know, with the backup quarterback, our backup quarterback Padilla is, he's more mobile. Um, if you look at the best teams in the Ferentz era, it's with a mobile quarterback. Um, hmm. As an Iowa fan, something I'd be curious about is, it's why we don't go to a more mobile quarterback more often. But yeah, just kind of general questions on, you know, what he thinks the fan base feels about the quarterback spot. It is ironic when you look back at the best Iowa years is that they always, it always coincides with a mobile quarterback. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't think of it, you know, you, that's not what comes to mind when you think of Iowa football, but those, I mean, those Brad Banks, that was a great team. Uh, Drew Tate, right? One year they had really good. Um, CJ Beathard is is a lot more mobile than people gave him credit for. That was a great team. Uh, for me, I guess my question, and this is kind of my frustration, probably as a non-Iowa Big Ten fan, is when the heck is Kirk Ferentz just going to hang it up already? Like, oh, that, go, I was going to ask it if you didn't go play with your grandkids already. 
<laughs> it's time. Not getting any younger, I, sir. I always equate the Iowa coaching situation to, and this is uh, great timing here to bring up this analogy, to the Green Bay Packers quarterbacking. Like the Green Bay Packers have been incredibly blessed and lucky to have from 1992 up to today and maybe not beyond today, fantastic quarterback play. I mean, how many NFL teams can say that? None. Not, not the Bears. Basically the Packers have had great quarterback play for 30 years. Well, you have the same thing with Iowa coaching. You, you go from, from Coach Fry, who's a legend, to Kirk Ferentz, who's another legend. Like, I just want to change for the possibility that maybe they take a step back. You know, I don't want to act like I know him personally, like we, you know, text and talk weekly or anything like that. But I just know that the only thing Kirk Ferentz wants to do is coach football. Like, like if well, maybe he's he loud... needs to expand his horizons. <laughs> you need to be a more well-rounded individual. Bro, come on. This, this, coming, this coming from a man who admittedly only eats vanilla ice cream when he gives himself a treat for the last 30 years. He just sticks to vanilla ice cream, probably says a lot. Well, that makes me like him even more because I love, I think vanilla is the most underrated flavor. <laughs> you know, comparing vanilla ice cream and being underrated but still quality, there's probably a lot of, you know, things that are relatable to Kirk Ferentz comparing it to like that, so... You can build a lot on vanilla too. I mean, it's a great foundation for the, 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 how you can kind of build on vanilla is putting a little, maybe like a little chocolate swirl, maybe mixing some strawberries in with it. And that to me is the mobile quarterback. Uh, I I would like to see that a little bit more. Fascinating. Could I, could I just give a couple, like, it's funny. We, you know, we haven't talked about Nebraska a lot. Could I I just give a couple thoughts? Um, Sure. Here's what intrigues me the most is the, the, the running back room and how it translates to the offense and therefore the team. Um, at last count, you guys have uh, 37 scholarship running backs <laughs> from, from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, now, I understand there's no quote-unquote bell cow. I understand you brought in step to maybe try to address that, but – I find it hard to believe out of the, you know, six or seven guys with the walk-on that there isn't, you know, a, a, enough talent there to get a, a, a Big Ten quality running back. Like the old um, adage is you got to have a pair and a spare. I, I think you have enough for a pair and a spare. I think it is absolutely instrumental when you look at how difficult Nebraska's schedule is, even with Buffalo taking a step back, this is a very difficult schedule. You cannot run Adrian Martinez into the ground like has had has happened in the past. There must be a rushing attack. This is not a passing offense. I I Oregon when they were in their, you know, heyday, even if you look at UCF to a certain degree, I believe a lot of their offensive firepower was started through the rushing attack. This offense needs to run through the offensive line and running backs. If they can do that to keep 2 a.m. healthy, that's where the success is at. That's where it becomes more of a kind of a ball control offense. And, Which and, is a huge change. Yes, and, and that's been part of the genesis, I believe, of the Scott Frost thought process um, as he, quite honestly, changes into Kirk Ferentz and Paul Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, on how things are, are, are going. 
because I don't have confidence in the backup quarterback position for Nebraska. There's talent. They're just not ready to, to take over yet. Keeping Adrian Martinez healthy with a solid rushing attack is going to be paramount. Yeah, I'm going to echo what Greek said there. I'm tired of seeing Nebraska treat their quarterback like he's a running back. I, I just like I would like that to go away, and I'd like to for them to rely on a more traditional running back role. And I think they will. A couple to a couple things I want to see is like who is who is going to emerge in that wide receiver room because we know there's a lot of talent there. We, we know that talent is pretty young. So is Omar Manning going to break out? Is Jamie Nance going to break out? Nance um, I think Oliver Martin. Nance transferred this week. Oh, I'm sorry. Darn. Um, but Oliver Martin, I know, has been looking good, so I expect him to have a big year. Um, moving over to – I love the tight ends at Nebraska. That's um, one of my, like, Big Ten crushes is the Nebraska tight end room. Unfortunately, Fedoni suffered that injury. That's a shame. But I want to see him play with a lot of 12 personnel because I just love – Yeah. Um, Austin Allen and I, I really like Travis Volklek. I've been, I've been a fanboy of his going back to his Rutgers days. So I'm just hoping to see a lot of those guys on the field and and, and a lot of uh, power running. All of mine and the tight ends. It really does sound like we're talking about Iowa. Right. <laughs> um, I might, I might differ a little bit here. Um, uh, every now and then, Big Kurt and I don't, don't think exactly like, but um, I think interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely think Oliver Martin is going to be the the number one pass catching target out out of all of the the pass catchers. Austin Allen, I very much like. I think I think Volkolek is essentially more of a kind of quick tackle. Okay, I don't I think he I don't think he's that much of a receiving threat unless he can really kind of be a red zone threat. That that I can see. Um, but but you know, I I think Samari Torre is good, but like, I think he might be a little bit too in, he's a little bit in love too much with the Nebraska fans. Like, like he's seems to be the one that they've really latched onto, you know, there's always one. He's got that track record. So, I mean, and an FCS track record, but that's, if you want to be like, Omar, look at Omar. It's like, well, he was here all last year and he didn't even, he had one target. So let's here. We can say, why cut all those, all those balls. Highlights. There's highlights of this guy. I'm not saying Samara Torre is not good. I just, I, I think he's, is what it is. I think he is, he could be your third down guy, you know, like get open guy, which is huge. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I just don't see him as much of a game breaker. The sure. game breaker is, is Omar Manning. He's kind of had the, uh, the, the Nebraska fan polish put on him as well. He is very talented. I mean, I, what I thought I saw in, in that, in the spring game and then also, um, uh, what I've kind of seen in like practice cutups and stuff like that. I mean, the biggest question with him is just, is it going to be consistent mm-hmm. on Saturdays? And is he literally going to be in uniform? I mean, those are the two biggest things. If he's there and present and given it is all every week, I think he, he'll he be a monster. So now, I, while Greek was talking, I looked it up. I don't feel so bad. Jamie Nance just transferred five days ago. Huh? Yeah. You guys, we can't expect you all to keep up on that. Um, um, but but after that blasphemy from Greek about Vokalek, I'm looking for a huge game from Travis against the Hawkeyes this year. I'm, I'm going with a couple touchdowns for Travis. Oh, wow. <laughs> Could, I, I definitely just upped the chances of that happening just by me saying that out loud. So you're probably right. Um, 
And then on the defensive side, I expect it to be a good defense. I don't know what else to say, you know, like now here's the crazy thing. This could be a very, very good defense and still be fourth in the big 10 West third, you know, like, I mean, that's how good I think Wisconsin and Iowa's offense or defense has a chance to be, but if they can get into that third best defense in the big 10 West, that's actually huge, you know, maybe around top 30 or so. Um, I'm a big believer in Cam Taylor, Britt. Um, the linebackers aren't excellent, but they all are solid and been in the system. I think I could kind of say that mostly about the defensive line. Ben Stilley, very good, you know, run stuffer. I don't think he's a playmaker, but like it should just be a good, solid defense. What has the chance, what, what would need to happen to get them up into the upper echelon where they are with or even better than Wisconsin and Iowa is a pass rush and yeah. not having to do a pass rush by rushing six every yeah. single time. That's going to be the next tick up that you have to see from the Nebraska defense. If they're going to be um, um, considered a, amongst one of the best. Yeah. That's, that is, that is a big question. Can we get the pressure? Can we turn the ball over a little bit more? I don't, I I thought we were going to be better at that last year, and we, I think, I don't know, I think we were negative net. Well, you had your chance to hire Lovey Smith. <laughs> now, that's actually true. That's the one thing he could do as a defensive coordinator. That dude could force turnovers. It, it really is amazing. I mean, there is something to it. I, I got to say, like, you know, he always preached that from the day he got to Illinois. I'm like, well, you know, this isn't the NFL. It doesn't really, you don't have Peanut Tillman. But I got to say, he finds a way to coach guys into turn the ball over it, it it was pretty impressive and he had good special teams for the most part yeah for for the most part yeah yeah they're pretty good especially um, the specialists particularly were good i'll never forget two years ago when someone like caught the ball and fell down so their body was out of bounds at like that was 15 yard that was dre brown was he just a really smart player like a smart guy or was that something he was coached like how did he know to do that? i mean he, he def, they definitely coached him up to do that. It wasn't, by the way, in that game, that's not the only time he's done that in his career. Oh, really? But yeah, Dre's a really bright guy. Um, and not to get too deep into Illinois, but I'm just happy he, he finished off his career well because he was just riddled with injuries early mm -hmm. on. And so he, he ended up having a, a, a good career there his last couple of years. And he's now part of the coaching staff at Tennessee. Oh, cool. Good for him. But speaking of Nebraska, the special teams – Connor Cole came out of nowhere last year. I mean, he solidified the place kicking. That was huge. If they can yeah. take, I, I still think Nebraska should hire a committed special teams coach yeah. in my opinion. Um, I know they have a more committed guy doing it. I think it's your linebacker coach or something like that. If I can remember. Mike but, Dawson, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that is an improvement that is, you know, there's a win there or a loss, depending on how you see it on the special teams. Um, I don't, I don't put Nebraska's special teams unit among the best, but if they can just be in the upper half, that's big. I mean, we, we track, uh, SP plus every week. And ever since Bill went over to ESPN, there's a lot less data there, but they do still, still track special team offense, defense, and special teams. And last year started off well. And even with an all conference, uh, place kicker, we were still the bottom, like hundreds, it's, like in the a lot of that has to do with field position for how bad your offense struggled last year. Well, your true. offense puts your special teams in a lot of bad spots. We, we just haven't, but that, that being true, we have not covered kickoffs and punts well 
in the Frost era. And we haven't had a guy who can, uh, though Connor's accurate, he's not kicking it through the end zone on kickoff. I don't know. I don't know if we have that solution there. Also, we had a punter that was brought in. Uh, we had this, I, I can't even remember his name. I've already forgotten him, a, a special teams consultant. And he, I think, brought in Culp and another a kicker, Cerny, from Australia. And then the Australian guy was hurt. And so we didn't have him. And um, so the one guy that did play was, was all conference. So that could be, I don't know. I don't know if that, if the other guy would have been all conference or not, but it would have, I think, been something of an improvement. Anyway, lots of ground to make up in special teams. And uh, so if we can be clean and improve special teams, it seems like there's some real room for growth for this. Well, that, this has been, this has been great. Uh, I want to, you guys spent a little bit of time just talking up your podcast though. Um, I think our listeners should by now be pretty familiar with you guys, but tell us a little bit about the eyes on big podcast. Sure. Eyes on big podcast covers the entire big 10 conference football only. We don't talk other sports. Um, Love it. But we do talk about all 14 teams. We try to give everyone essentially equal airtime. So it's a great resource if you're a fan of any Big Ten team to kind of stay up to date on the rest of the conference and know where your your team stacks up against those teams. It's a good way to get a preview of going into those games and, you know, without having to to kind of follow it on your own. We basically do the, the, the cliff notes for you. Yeah, I don't have much to add other than I appreciate Big Kurt dragging me around on the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm definitely the, uh, the the weak second leg with that, but uh, um, it's a lot of fun to do. We love the interactions. Nebraska fans' uh, interaction with the podcast is is very, very good, so we very much want to uh, say thanks for that. And please tune in. We'd love to to get more uh, listeners and, you know, people interacting with us. Yeah, I would, I would say outside of – maybe Iowa because Jeff's an Iowa guy. We have the most interaction with Nebraska, the fan base. We care. And, and it's a fun one to interact with there. I mean, you guys are obsessed and I love it. Uh, so you already mentioned that you've got a show in the pipeline about ranking coaches. What else are you guys going to do in the off season? We're going to try to get a couple, um, you know, uh, team specific people on the podcast to just talk to them about their team uh, a little bit. Um, a couple, we'll have a couple of random, you know, things that'll pop up. It's been a while since we recorded. So we got a lot of uh, uh, topics that we got to discuss. The cool thing is, I mean, we're recording this. It's the middle of May. Guys, we're, we're going to be in the middle of summer here in like two shakes of a lamb's tail. Yeah. And it's going to be time to start breaking down teams because we're going we're gonna to be in the heat of the summer and then into camp. So, you know, we, we're getting there. Yeah. So a couple I'll specifically want to mention, our next podcast is also going to be guested by Dustin Schutte, who's ah. on your last episode. Yeah, and then one. we do have another one lined up with Brent, uh, Brett Ciancia from uh, Pick 6 Previews who's really made a name for himself here, especially the last few years with his preview magazine, which I think he does a fantastic job with. And um, he's a Heisman voter and he's got just great insight overall into college football. He's a listener of our podcast and he, he does a lot of guesting on some pretty big national shows. So for us, it's a big honor to always have Brad on. We, we typically do uh, one episode a year with him. So that's going to be coming up in the next, I don't know, probably month or two. Cool. Are you you guys aren't Heisman voters either, Justin Kurt? Oh, you Sadly. know what? I am not a Heisman voter either. My bad. I was thinking I was for a second there. But... <laughs> uh, I mean, and we... you, got, 
You guys are pretty active on Kurt, Jeff at Jeffrey the Greek, and Big Kurt at B1G Kurt, Kurt with a K. So uh, if if you're listening, not following him, definitely give him a follow. You can, I see you got a your podcast link is the most recently tweeted thing, so you can check him out there, guys. All right. Thanks for thanks thanks so much for having us on. This has been fun. I'm glad that you agreed to do it again, and uh, have a great uh, great summer of podcasting, and we'll be interacting on Twitter. Absolutely. Happy to help out anytime, Justin. Thanks, guys. See you around. Thanks again to Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you know, you can look at the show notes. We've already talked about their Twitter handles and whatnot, but uh, you can easily click on those links uh, at huskerpod.com and check out their content. Check them out. They know what they're talking about. And you know what I'm talking about, Justin. Know what? I'm talking about coming over to your house and grilling yes. out this weekend. Yes. As long as it's not raining still. <laughs> um, if it's not raining, I mean, if it's not raining hard, we can still grill outside. Or maybe I could pull the cars out. And Is it stupid to do it in the... In the garage? Look. No. Yours is a... It's apart from your home. So, man, yeah. like, if you burn it down, <laughs> you still have a place to sleep. Well, we so that we have a nice big tree overhanging most of our backyard driveway. So we, as long as it's not raining, yeah, too hard, we, we should be fine. We should be all right. Yeah, I think this so, weekend start getting warmer, less chance of rain. So yeah, gonna grill out some Sunstorm Nebraska buffalo. Yeah, and I'm actually planning to go down Saturday to pick something up from Kendra at the farmers market. Oh, it's so gonna be fresh, fresh, fresh. Uh, say hi to Kendra. Did I say? I feel like it's been a little while since you and I spoke uh like on the pod i i went down mandy and i went down to the farmer's market a couple saturdays ago and saw her saw kendra and um she was they were busy selling out so uh if you if you want a specific item we, t- we said this on the show um last time we did talk uh if you want an item you can save yourself on shipping by just picking it up at the farmer's market yeah so uh we'll be there uh well i'll be there and if our paths cross and you go, say hi. I'll have yeah. on my Central Nebraska Buffalo hat on. Nice. <laughs> Man, the housing market, Mike, continues to be crazy. I mean, every the whole all the markets are crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether whether it's the oil market, which I don't know if you saw the latest news, but now the oil company is like, well, um, so they didn't actually shut us down. They shut down our billing procedures, and so we couldn't bill people. So then we shut down the pipeline. Did you see that? No. Yeah, I mean, it makes the, sense, but that's, yeah. that's the story. So anyway, all the markets are crazy right now, um, but especially the housing market. So if you are interested in buying or selling uh, your home, I actually just heard from a family member not long ago who's doesn't live in town, but is interested. And uh, to this person, I was saying, you got to, you got to find someone who trusts to work with. And um, if we're my family member here in Lincoln, that would, that would be Monty. So check out our trusted friend, Monty Rohde. Who can start strategizing with you about how to buy or sell. And if you're looking to sell, have we got good news for you. <laughs> you're going to make some money right now. <laughs> yeah, but then you're going to have to turn around and put that money into That's true. The you buy. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you're downsizing or something. It's the pros and cons. That's funny. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I guess it's only like a net win if you're selling your house and like not buying another house. <laughs> right. Well, if you're like retire downsizing because your kids have grown, right, so right, right. You need a smaller space, or if you live in L.A. and you want to move back to Nebraska, like you, you can come out ahead on that one. For yeah, sure. for real.
So anyway, hey. you know, Monty's your guy. Uh, we commend him to you. He's he's not only a uh, he's not only a, a great realtor, but he's a great fan and follower of our podcast. It's pretty cool to see his interaction with us on on social media. Yeah, true that on Facebook. You know, one one quick thought here before we sign off. Um, again, it's the first time you and I have connected in a little while, so I just want to uh, say to our friends at the. Big Red Cobcast, who have officially hung up the mic. They they did their last show last week. That um, uh, it's been it's been fun following along with your journey over the last seven eight years. And congrats on four hundred plus shows. Wow, um, wow. Maybe it was three hundred plus. Maybe it was three hundred plus. It was a lot of shows. And uh, the uh, they they brought a really unique voice and perspective to to the nebraska podcasting scene and even just their like final episode they brought on all kinds of guests uh football greats friends and it was uh chaotic and crazy and it was great so anyway kudos to them on a job well done and we're gonna miss uh miss their their podcast but it sounds like they'll still be tweeting yeah i'm sure that's probably the like that's one of the perks of doing a podcast like this it's like you, you get on twitter and there's always somebody who wants to chat about Nebraska football, so <laughs> I like it. Always. People can always tell, though, the difference between you and me. Like, you're there tweeting about football, and I'm like, did you see did you see how much mayonnaise that guy in the box was putting on his sandwich? <laughs> yep. It was three, 362 episodes is how many they put together. Wow. That's a lot. You know, we could get there. We could get yeah. there. Yeah. At this sure. pace, though, it's still going to take us a while. Season 10, probably. In the deed, in the deed, the glory, man. <laughs> it's not the destination, it's the journey, Mike. Indeed. Don't stop believing. Okay. Because I said journey. Gotcha. When the lights go down on this podcast. <laughs> it's getting grim, Mike. <laughs> I was just thinking more like this episode, not like oh, the oh, podcast. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Such <laughs> such lyrical depth. <laughs> now I need to like now somebody's gonna like be correcting us. Actually, Journey has some of the most poetic song like I don't know what they probably have some cool songs that are really meaningful. I don't know. I know the hits. Yeah, yep, me too. And uh, I would say this end of podcast conversation is not one of our hits. So <laughs> let's uh, let's start talking about video games again. Let's uh, let's just say let's just say go bigger head and catch you next time. Yeah, see you, my, you I'll know, see you on but, Sunday. Before I say before I say, I just want to point out there are no good football games on the Switch. Like, what's the deal, guys? If you're an indie dev, I'd play it. Just letting you know. But yeah, I'll see, you on, I'll see you on Sunday, Justin. All right. Yeah. Take care. All right. Go, go Big Red. Go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.